Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, So whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well... What better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, But those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we are answering your listener questions. Listener questions. That's right, man. You ready to do this? Oh, I'm ready. It's Listener Question Monday, and we've got five great questions from listeners, including one about uh, crypto savings accounts. I'm really excited to dive into that one. We've got a, a question from a listener who's asking about buying a home when he lives in a submarine. <laughs> That's going to be a fun one. Uh, as well as a, a question from a listener who's asking if everybody out there needs to file a tax return, uh, even though she is a lower wage earner. Uh, she's got a lower income. So we're going to get to that one. Plus two others 
during this Ask How to Money episode. It's got to be tough to tour a house while you're living in a submarine. Like, how do you actually... Zillow, baby. Yeah, I guess you're just you're just doing what, like, two-thirds of buyers are doing <laughs> these days, and you're buying More a like house More like five-thirds of, of, of buyers, man. Five-thirds. Like, even, even people who aren't look actually going to buy a house are, you know, sitting there flipping through Zillow. True. Yeah, but I think, no, the stat is actually that people make an offer, 66% of buyers or something in that range make an offer without actually having set foot in the house these days. COVID has changed things up uh, when it comes to buying a house, but we'll, we'll get to that and more. That's crazy. In this episode, man, I wanted to share something um, a, a little personal, though, real quick. Uh, not super personal, but I had to get a new No oil. one wants to hear about your new <laughs> underwear line. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, Remember that one from a few months ago? <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to get a new oil pan put in uh. the, the Honda Odyssey, the 06 Odyssey, and it was one of those things that I was surprised by that I didn't didn't realize this was an expense that was going to have to happen, but I guess at some point in recent years when, when I was getting an oil change done, some um, nefarious mechanic, <laughs> like they, they glued the the drain plug back in, and so it made the oil pan unusable, and I've, I've got a good mechanic that I took it to, and, and yeah, he was like, I'm sorry, man, but we got to replace it. This is one of these like $450 expenses that I just uh-huh. wasn't thinking was coming down the pike. That like, sucks. Yeah, and I think it just goes to show, though, that... I want to say I'm an optimist, and I, I think sometimes like I expect things to continue to go a certain way, and those kind of things like slap me upside of the head. But I can't budget like welcome an optimist. to reality, buddy. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> but, and I and I hope for for other optimists or really anybody out there, you can't budget like an optimist. You can't budget hoping that things continue to go uh, swimmingly that you never have. You know, a $450 oil pan expense. Um, it's just one of those things that is going to come along in your financial life, and it's important to kind of make room for those things ahead of time because it's a double whammy if you also don't have the money on hand to pay for that unexpected expense. So um, just want to kind of share that it happens to the best of us, right? We we all have these costly items that, that come along from time to time that we weren't even anticipating. Um, but yeah, planning for the unexpected is really important. Yeah, planning for those expenses. You know, there are going to be expenses that, that, that arise with a 16-year-old vehicle, but... It's a teenager now, bud. It's, you know? <laughs> it requires a little bit more money than that's, it used to. That's right. It makes me think about... We talked about this recently, too. It makes me think about just some of these house uh, expenses, like on the outside of our houses, that nobody gets excited about uh, dropping a load of money on, like a roof, for instance. Like You can't really see your shingles. It's not an expense that you look forward to, but it's something that has to be done. Tree work is another... Uh, one that you and I we, we discussed recently. It seems like there's a lot of tree work happening in our neighborhood these days, and we're saying how we think it must have something to do with the stimulus money because it's one of those things where it's really painful <laughs> to part ways with money for a tree service to show up and maybe take down a couple of trees. But you know, when some money lands in your lap, when it lands in your bank account, it's it's something where you're like, okay, I wasn't expecting that money anyway. Let's yeah. maybe take care of some of these things that I don't really want to spend money towards. But these yeah. are, these are the kind of adult same thing with yeah car expenses, expenses though, yeah, yeah. That, that nobody wants. Nobody wants to drop money on, but that's like part of the thing being a grown up. <laughs> you have to do it. So yeah, and make sure too you've got a, me- a mechanic that you trust. This is a yeah. mechanic that you've gone to for years, and you've Long got a gr- time. great relationship with him. So you can feel better about that at least. Yeah, I-, I know that he's telling me the truth, and he's never steered me wrong before when it comes to my car. It's just still one of those things. It's like really, man, and then like you kind of like want to blame the messenger and be like, oh, I hate you. <laughs> 
but I don't actually hate you. And so. you're like, uh, did you try using the torque wrench or something? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like naming tools. Put some muscle behind it, dog. <laughs> uh, well, let's get on to the, the beer that we're having on this episode. Matt, this one is called Bumbleberry. It's a honey blueberry ale by Fathead Brewery. And this one was sent to us by Rich. He's a friend of the show. He actually hosts a podcast called Budgets and Brews that he um, asked me to be on recently. That was kind of fun hanging out with him and super nice of him to send this beer our way. And we'll give our thoughts at the end of the episode. Yes, we will. So let's go ahead now and get to our listener questions. And uh, all you listeners out there, if you have a question for us, we would love for you to submit your own question to us. You can go to howtomoney.com forward slash ask. We've got some simple instructions there as to how you can send us your voice memo. And hopefully very soon we will be able to answer your question. But first, Joel, let's go ahead and get to this first question that has to do with cryptocurrency. Hi, Joel and Matt. This is Ellie in Denver. And I just recently heard about a investing website called BlockFee. It seems really interesting to me because they are giving 6%, 8.6%, 5.25. They're giving interest rates that high on cryptocurrencies that you hold in their accounts. And the one that interests me the most is called Gemini Dollar, and it's always worth a dollar because it's pegged to the US dollar. And I think that you could buy, say, 500 Gemini dollars and then earn 8.6% per year on that amount. I haven't opened an account yet, but I'm curious if you have heard of it already or what you think about it. Thank you. Oh, Matt, so many questions popping up these days about how to earn more money on savings because the, the rates for savers are atrocious right now. And so no wonder Ellie's looking to try to find some way to make more money on the money she's just kind of got mm-hmm. hanging around. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I hate having money in a savings account these days because half a percent is about the best you can hope for. And uh, and yeah, so Ellie, let's talk about crypto savings accounts. The the allure is, is strong with these. And I think there's a lot of people out there looking into crypto banks because they're springing up all over the internet, promising stellar rates of return, some even as high as 12%. I've seen those hanging around. But uh, it's important to note that money that you put into one of these accounts is not like putting money in your traditional bank or your online bank or, or even a credit union. It's not even close because there is no FDIC insurance when you deposit your funds at one of these cryptocurrency online banks. And uh, since the, the crypto space is still very much like the Wild West, you're Definitely putting your money at risk if you decide to put your savings um, in one of these quote unquote banks. And you, yeah, you just can't even call it a bank really based on what it is. And these, uh, these websites aren't even insured by the SIPC, where brokerage firms like Vanguard and Fidelity are able to uh, say that $500,000 of your money is insured. And we think that this should cause you to hit the brakes from really even considering these crypto bank accounts really any further. Yeah. What's, what's crazy about these companies too, is that they're promising such high returns in order to attract more users and more customers essentially. Right. And so like, it's almost like the higher return that they're promising, like the worse off it's going to be because again, because they're not even SIPC insured. I mean, they could fold and you would be completely out all of that money. Like there is no guarantee that you're going to, that you would, you know, ever see any of that money again, especially if you're a a smaller quote unquote investor. uh, Because I mean, even if there was like some sort of lawsuit, like you're going to be at the very end of the line when it comes to actually getting any type of money back. And so, yeah, let's talk some more specifics on how these crypto savings accounts work. Within one 
of these accounts, you're holding cryptocurrency and you could have, you know, many different varieties in there. And that crypto stash is then being lent out to other investors and other traders. So not only are you getting into the, the cryptocurrency game by owning some actual cryptocurrency, but you're going above and beyond on the risk scale by also lending out what you own. And so while those rates of return do sound pretty nice, they aren't all that great for the enormous risk that you're taking on. There's almost like this sort of double whammy when, like the way I think about it, it's like I'm, I'm imagining if I haven't ridden my bike in like a year, I'm really out of shape, right? And also... Which isn't true. Which is would never happen. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. And something else that would never happen is imagine then if I also left my bike out in the yard all winter long for again for another whole year but then imagine i'm like okay i want to hop on my bike and get across town for some important meeting well there's a good chance then i'm going to be doing maybe a good amount of walking <laughs> whether it's because i'm so out of shape i'm sucking wind or because my bike's broken right and so there are two huge risks here when you have your money invested in these companies and while that might be okay or acceptable if this isn't money that you're necessarily counting on right and so again going back to the bike analogy like if i was on my way to an important meeting uh, that bad idea <laughs> to, to do that. But if I was just out for a ride and it didn't really matter, you know, in that case, you know, it could make sense for you. And specifically because we're talking about savings here. Exactly. Usually this is money that you need. And, and even with, you know, for most of our listeners, I know for us, like our investments, we're not even really willing to put that um, at huge risk. And so, yeah, Matt, uh, Ellie mentioned the website BlockFi. And explicitly on that website, it states loss of principal, which is the money that you put in there, is possible. And it certainly is possible, and um, I'm not going to say it's likely, but um, that is never the case with the savings at your bank because of what we talked about, the FDIC insurance. Essentially, these crypto banks are out there combining cryptocurrency exchanges like Coinbase and peer-to-peer -peer lending, a company like Lending Club, and that means just a, a much higher increase of volatility and risk. And so, yeah, I would, I would steer pretty much everybody away from these things because uh, it's, it's just too risky of a bet. Right. Unless it's just money that you 100% don't care about, right? Like, like if it's play money, if it's money that it needs to be money that you wouldn't lose sleep over. I haven't, night, I haven't had a dollar that I didn't care about yet. <laughs> I mean, you know, and the ones I don't care about, I spend on craft beer. If folks make different types of bets, totally. uh, you know, different risks they're, uh, that they're willing to take. But in the end here, essentially what we're saying when it comes to your savings and when it comes to your investments, we want you to keep those separated. You know, uh, it's okay to take uh, measured risks with your investments. You can afford to lose money that you've, you know, invested this year if the market goes down because you know that you won't need that money until years or even decades down the road. But that's not the case with your savings. You want to keep uh, that money safe and liquid in case you need it. Uh, and so that makes these crypto savings accounts, uh, to put it nicely, less than ideal for that task. <laughs> and so keep your investments and your savings distinct and separate. And if you are going to put any of your money towards some of those crypto savings accounts, make sure it's less than 5% of your overall portfolio. That's you know, one of the ways that we designate, quote unquote, play money. Yep, totally. All right, Matt. Well, we got more questions to get to, including one about taxes. Like, do you need to file taxes if you don't make much money? We'll talk about that and more right after this break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So, if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. 
That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money i'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans we always like to get the families together matt for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer we've already got that trip to saint simon's on the calendar pumped for that but sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it. Minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs. And it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. All right, we are back from the break, and we're going to hear from a listener who listens to us underwater. I'm going to explain how that works. Uh, but first, let's hear this tax question. Hi, Matt and Joel. This is Aoka from Grand Rapids, Michigan. I heard on another podcast that a single individual who owns less than $12,400 in a year doesn't have to file a tax return. I made a little bit less than $12,000, which included about $1,000 from DoorDash. 
given that DoorDash and other gig economy jobs are different with taxes, I just want to know if I can skip filing my taxes this year or if I would get in trouble for not returning some of that DoorDash money. And is the $12,000 rule even a thing? Is it even true? Thanks so much. All right, Matt. I love this question. I feel like this is definitely something that a lot of people have, especially um, when uh, in a year where you might not have made very much money. Do I have to file taxes? For instance, if you're a college student, maybe you made $10,000 last yeah, year. Yeah, some side income, whatever. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, you're like, I don't really want to go through that hassle. Filing taxes seems like a burden. And I understand that. It's um, not the, the most fun task in the world, right? Sure. But uh, yeah, since tax day is two two weeks away, Monday, May seventeenth, by the way, uh, for all you slackers, exactly two weeks away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's true, Erica, that you don't have to file taxes if you're single and you make below the twelve thousand four hundred dollar threshold. That's because of the standard deduction. That is the amount of of the standard deduction. So basically, you won't owe any taxes on any income until you start making more than $12,400. And you're not required to file a tax return. You won't get into trouble with the IRS if you don't do it. But you might still want to do it because of the many ways you can benefit if you do file your taxes instead of kicking up your feet and <laughs> deciding <laughs> to uh, to not do it at all. Yeah, there's some uh, some major benefits to filing your taxes if your income is a little bit lower. Uh, if you don't file, you won't be able to qualify for a tax refund. And so if you had taxes withheld from your paycheck, uh, you won't see that money. Uh, you might also qualify for the earned income tax credit, which you wouldn't get if you don't file a, a return and claim it. And so the cool thing uh, about that specifically is that it's a refundable credit. And so even if you don't owe any taxes at all, this credit will still get paid to you. That's pretty sweet. But sadly, 20% of folks who qualify for the earned income tax credit, the EITC, uh, don't claim it. And so make sure that you claim it if you qualify. Yeah, a lot of people missing out on free money that way yeah. who, who have it coming to them. And yeah, one other thing too, Erica, that's definitely worth mentioning. If you're listening to this show, hopefully you're investing in an IRA with some of the money that you made. And if you're investing in, let's say, a Roth IRA, you might also qualify with your low income for the Savers Tax Credit, which is one of the best tax credits around, Matt. I, I've always found this to be one of the most fascinating tax credits available, and most people don't know about how this works either. It's a nice little carrot. It's a nice little incentive. Exactly. Especially for, for low-income folks. It really only applies to low-income folks. The federal government will essentially help you on your investing journey by handing you back up to 50% of the amount of money that you invested, depending on your adjusted gross income. And Erica, you could qualify for that highest 50% savers tax credit based on your income. So let's say you invested $2,000 last year into a Roth IRA. You'd get $1,000 back in the form of a tax refund. That's so sweet. Yeah. The Savers Tax Credit is one of my favorites. And it's another thing, just like the Earned Income Tax Credit, they're, they're two really important tax credits that low-income folks really, really need to know about. Uh, you don't want to miss out on those because there's a lot of money in, at stake. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like a 401k match from the federal government. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And Erica, you know, so many things are based on your tax return, like getting a home loan. Basically, filing your taxes shouldn't be all that hard for you. Uh, it'll be free via IRS free file. And you might get thousands of dollars in money that you otherwise wouldn't receive if you didn't file a return. So we would recommend that you go ahead and do it. There could be a lot of money that you're leaving on the table 
if you, yeah, do what Joel said, like kick back, throw your feet up, <laughs> yeah, don't re- relax over the next couple of weeks. Instead, see if there are any funds that you're eligible for. Yeah, and we'll link to the IRS free file site in the show notes because that is the place where people who make, well, I think it's under like 70 $2,000 a year AGI uh, can file their taxes and not pay a dime uh, to in order to do so. And like Matt said, it's less difficult than you think it's going to be. It's really not that big of a deal, especially with all the money that could be at stake here for you, Erica. Totally worth it. Yeah. Yep. All right, Matt, let's get to the next question. This one comes from a listener who listens to How to Money uh, in the Ocean. Hi, Joel and Matt. My name is Nate, and I'm a longtime listener of this show. I'm currently in the Navy, and you guys have kept me company and planning my financial future while spending many, many months underwater in a submarine. I've wanted to get some advice about getting out of the Navy in less than six months. I'm 27 and have a great credit score, own my car, and will have at least $35,000 in savings by the time I get out of the Navy. I'm returning to school and will be a recipient of the post-9-11 GI Bill, which will pay for my tuition and provide me with a housing stipend of about $1,400 in cash per month. I was toying with the idea of purchasing a home rather than renting. I am able to utilize the VA home loan program, which allows me to purchase a home with no down payment, but still secure a competitive interest rate. I figured that because a mortgage is typically the same, or in a lot of cases, even a little less than monthly rent, it would be beneficial to have my monthly housing stepping going towards owning a home rather than renting one. I have about two years left of school, and other than summers, do not plan on working during that time. Between my savings, any small amount of leftover money from the housing stipend, and a small income about $400 per month from doing Navy reserves after I are separate from active duty, I would definitely be able to cover roughly double my current monthly budget, even without working during the summers. I just wanted to see if you guys thought this was a good idea or if it's too risky. Cheers, Nate. All right, Nate, thanks so much for that question uh, here about housing. And by the way, it's super cool that you've been listening to us underwater. <laughs> that might be the, the, the closest that we'll actually get to being in a submarine. Although, now that I say that, I feel like maybe when I was a little kid, I feel like maybe on a field trip, I did actually walk through a submarine, which was, I think even as a kid, I remember it being way smaller <laughs> than I was expecting it to well, be. It made me think that actually Nate might be super happy in like a tiny house because he's used to living in small quarters. That is so true. Maybe that's one way to save money. Like he doesn't need nearly as much square footage because like it's like 600 square foot studio. This place is huge. Yeah, exactly. It probably will feel that way. And like, yeah, it just makes me think, Matt, actually um, a, a while ago we had Doug Norman on the show. That's right. Who's a fellow Navy man. And he, uh, he also lived on submarines for long stretches of time. And yeah, the way he talked about like getting out and then heading back in, into you know a house, like you just don't need as much when you're used to living in such tight quarters. Yeah, he, he touched yeah on possessions and how yeah. he basically was able to just remove a lot of stuff from his life pretty easily because of yeah all the all of his campaigns on the submarine. Yeah, uh, so yeah. Nate, if you haven't listened to that episode, we'll put it in the show notes. But that's that's one you should totally uh, go back and listen to. Episode one sixty six. But Nate, let's get to your question. Uh, well, first, you know, great job on taking care of your finances uh, as well as your credit. A lot of younger folks in the military spend a lot of their paychecks and then some. Yeah, there's a lot of predatory lending that takes place, and so a lot of military personnel sometimes find themselves in debt, precarious uh, financial situations. Yeah, and so I hope you've been able to to be a good influence on the rest of your fellow submariners. That's how Doug used to say it. Because I used to always thought it was submariners, but he Doug always said submariners. Yeah, I think so, it was, yeah. All right. <laughs> so just something that bots in my mind. But the VA loan program is great because typically uh, you'll, you would have to pay PMI, private mortgage insurance, if you don't put that 20% down. Uh, but for the folks that serve our country, 
You can get a 0% down loan with excellent terms without the costs of additional monthly insurance. And by the way, it's called a VA loan because it's backed by the, the, the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Uh, and so that's why VA loan borrowers can put down less. They've got the military on their side. That's so. true. Yeah. And, and they deserve it for their service, right? They deserve Absolutely. the better loan terms. Uh, I, I will say it's really important, Nate, to, to think about the other costs that go alongside of owning a home. Even though it sounds like your housing stipend will easily cover the mortgage payment, be sure to listen to another episode, episode 323, before you go ahead and make this decision. Even if the amount of the mortgage is less than what you would pay in rent, that doesn't make it a slam dunk. And that's because there are additional costs uh, of, to owning a home, and they can really add up. Renting is not throwing money away. I feel like I need to repeat that because that, that's- A lot of people feel that way. Yeah. They, they just assume that renting is like the stupidest thing in the world. I think like, you know part of it is the cult of home ownership that, that has happened in our society. And owning a home is great. Like we've, we've said that many times too, Matt. We love owning our own home and we think that it's a worthwhile ambition of a lot of people. But at the same time, renting a place is not throwing money away. Uh, so that's why we recommend that you only purchase a home if you're willing to own it for at least seven years. And so that's one big thing that you really need to consider, Nate. Before you commit to this idea of owning, owning a home, how long are you actually going to be holding on to it? That's right. Yeah. So, uh, Nate, when you move in the future, because you're going to move, I guarantee it, the a question you need to ask yourself is, would you be willing to hold on to that house or that, that place and rent it, even if you're living hundreds of miles away? Uh, if you're okay being committed to this home for the long term, uh, even if you aren't living in it, then we think it can make sense for you to purchase this place. It could be a great financial move for you. But, you know, if you're just planning on selling it maybe just 2 or 3 years down the road after, you know, after you buy it, this isn't going to be a great decision because of the transaction costs, they're pretty steep, uh, and we have no idea what the real estate market might look like at that point in time. Uh, so, yeah, the time frame is the crucial question here. It's it's not necessarily about the numbers because you talked through your specific financial situation, right? Like how the the different incomes that you're going to have coming in, I think you said it's going to be double what your monthly budget's going to be. Like that's great. I mean, it sounds like you're in a great financial situation. It's less about the the specific numbers in your case and it's more about the actual time frame uh, and how long you're willing to hang on to that place. Yeah, man, I feel like it's similar to when we talk about whether people should be savers or investors, right? There's a there's a time frame that becomes crucial when you're answering that question and if you're like trying to get that money in and out within 18 months, you got to be a saver. <laughs> and that's specifically because of the volatility that occurs in the market. 18 months later, like you're, you could have less money than you started with. And so you want to be a saver to make sure you retain that capital. It's a similar thing when it comes to buying a home. That time frame is ridiculously crucial. And it's less about the volatility and more about the transaction cost that can eat into that too. And you could have less money than you started with because of the extreme cost of buying and selling homes. All right, we've got a couple more questions, including one about a duplex uh, and uh, a way to, to sock away even more money if you own your own business. And so we'll get to both of those right after this. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. 
They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money i'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans we always like to get the families together matt for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer we've already got that trip to saint simon's on the calendar pump for that but sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. All right, we're back. We got two more questions on this Ask HTM episode. And this next one comes from a listener who's trying to figure out which retirement account is the right one for them. Hey, Matt and Joel. Longtime listener, first time caller. My name is Samantha and I live in Portland, Oregon. I have a question about the difference between a solo 401k and the SEP IRA. I am a small business owner and work fully for myself. I do not have any employees and I currently have an SEP and I'm not sure that is the most 
advantageous for myself. You had kind of talked about it on one of the most recent episodes, but I would really love some more guidance and clarification on which one is the better option. Thanks so much. All right. Well, Samantha, first of all, thanks for listening to the show for so long. You mentioned that there at the beginning of your question. And by the way, this is a good question. (laughs) Uh, When it comes to owning your own business and yeah, investing more of that money, you can go either way. Since you don't have any employees, both a SEP and a solo 401k are are both good choices. uh, And both can allow you to invest a whole lot of money, $58,000 for 2021 each and every year in these tax-advantaged accounts. And the reason that many business owners actually opt for a solo 401k instead of a SEP IRA is because you can actually max out that account sooner without having to earn more because of how the the cap works on the contributions. Uh, And so because of the way it works, with a solo 401k, you can contribute the entire $58,000 while earning around 150 k but to max out a SEP, you're actually going to need to be earning closer to 225k, which is a pretty big increase. And so, if you're wanting to invest big money, it's easier to do so uh, with a solo 401k. Yeah, let's discuss these in in just a little more detail, Matt. The, the the way it works is that the solo 401k rules allow you to contribute as both the business owner and as an employee. Your business can contribute a huge amount of money to that account in profit sharing. And you as an individual can contribute another nice chunk, up to 19500 even more if you're over 50 years old. Uh, but you're still limited to the overall amount of 58000 Yeah, just right? when you make those contributions, you just have to switch hats. Like you have to put the employer hat on when you're making the uh, employer contributions. And then when you're making your own employee contributions, you got to put on that employee hat. I feel like I need a special <laughs> hat as an employer over here. Uh, we don't have any hats. No, we need new hats. That should actually, if and when, and I'll, I'll say when, because one of these days we'll have some merch, but we can, we'll totally make some hats. All right. You get like a hat of money trucker hat or something? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Another perk too is that you can choose to contribute to the Roth version of a solo 401k. The uh, the employer contribution, which is the biggest amount will, that you're allowed to, to contribute, will be funded with pre-tax dollars. But you can elect to have your personal contributions go in as after-tax funds. And so it's it's great from that future tax planning uh, perspective. It allows you to diversify that tax uh, liability, and it gives you more flexibility when you're like drawing down those funds in retirement. So I think that's one of the the main reasons I like the solo 401k more than the SEP is because it does offer more of the flexibility when it comes to yeah the the type of money that you're you're putting in. Yeah, and that's something that the SEP or which by the way that stands for a simplified employee pension. Uh, that's something that that a SEP doesn't allow. So for listeners out there who are self-employed and don't have a solo 401k set up yet, uh, you can do it with any of the low-cost investment companies like Fidelity, Vanguard, Schwab as well. So we would recommend going with one of those. Uh, but Samantha, for you. Unless you're looking to invest a really high percentage of your income, a SEP IRA will work totally fine. It's going to work great for you. So, for example, if you have a net profit at around $100,000, you can contribute nearly $19,000 towards a SEP, which is really solid. That's a lot of money. That's a high percentage of your income uh, that can go towards a SEP. Uh, but if you wanted to invest more of your money into a retirement plan, uh, you can always roll it over to a solo 401k. That's always an option for you. Yeah, and it, when it comes down to it, Matt, both of these accounts are really good and allow you know self-employed folks to to be able to sock away a lot of money for their future. One of the other interesting things about a SEP, especially since we're closing in on tax day, is is that you can actually still contribute to a SEP for last year 
but you can't still contribute to a solo 401k for last year. So if Samantha is specifically looking to stash more money away for tax year 2020, she's going to have to do it in a SEP IRA uh, instead of doing it in a solo 401k. Yeah. But um, yeah, so that's just kind of another caveat. A little perk of, a, of, of the SEP, which yeah, sounds like she's already got going and it's working out pretty great for her. So Yeah, totally. So Samantha, best of luck. Either way you slice it, you're doing great. But if you're looking to you know, massively crank up the amount that you're investing, a solo 401k can often be the best route to go. Uh, but all right, Matt, let's get to one more question. Uh, and this one is about buying a duplex. Hey guys, my name's Matthew. I'm 32 and I live in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm currently in the market to buy a duplex to start moving forward with real estate. And I have a few questions. Currently, my credit score is a 721, and I'm trying to raise that a little bit over the next six months. I don't have any debt aside from my vehicle. Um, I do have a couple credit cards, and my question about that is should I request a limit increase? I don't use the credit cards that much, but I'm wondering if increasing the limit will help my credit score or if it's going to hurt me. With that said... I'm also interested in a little bit more information about the leases you all create for your rental properties. So any information you all can provide on creating a lease for your tenants, as well as screening them will be very helpful. Thank you. Joel, did you just hear that question? This is uh, coming from Matthew in Atlanta, who's looking at duplexes. This could be me. <laughs> Are you submitting a question for your own podcast? <laughs> uh, the, uh, the stockpile of listener questions was getting kind of low. So. <laughs> uh, Matthew, we would totally recommend for you to get a duplex if that's something you're interested in. Uh, I hope you're going to live in half of it, hopefully and rent out the other half. House hacking. Yeah. How, dude, house hacking rocks. It's one of the best ways to build wealth and uh, for you to easily get into real estate. And an, another perk, too, is living in that duplex will also mean that you don't have to put down as much money and you're going to get a better rate versus if that was uh, a straight investment property. Yeah. Owner-occupied uh, gives you better terms. Absolutely. Uh, but let's go ahead and talk more about getting the best mortgage interest rate. Uh, you mentioned how your credit score is at 721. That's a great credit score. Uh, but if you can get that score uh, up to at least 740, that would be huge to help you score the uh, the top notch rates that lenders are, are currently offering right now. That's that's one of those cutoff points that if you can get a, if you can get above 740, you're going to be in that that premium rarefied air. Yeah, it's like hitting 300 in Major League Baseball. Like that that's kind of the line. It's like oh, you're an excellent oh, hitter. If you're, you're big time now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Same with the the 740 credit score. Lenders are going to look on you favorably. And yeah, to uh, requesting a credit score increase is one way to potentially help increase your score. Credit card companies haven't been too keen on doing that lately, though. Yeah, it kind of depends on your specific situation as to whether or not they yeah, feel comfortable about you raising your limits. Yeah, it never hurts to ask, though, if you've been a responsible user of that card and you can point to that, then that's ammunition on your side to actually make that happen. Yeah, yeah you would, however, benefit from paying off your credit card balances two or three times a month. The lower that reported balance is, the better it reflects on your credit. And that's just the easiest and most immediate way to boost your score, specifically for someone who's close to that line, right? That's yeah. really, really important. Uh, and especially before you make a really big move, like taking out a mortgage, you want to make sure you're above that line because it, it could save you thousands of dollars for years to come. You want to do whatever it takes. And one of those things that it is in all likelihood going to take is just paying off your credit card balance more frequently for the time being. That's right. And now let's assume that you have a place and you're looking at uh, maybe putting together a lease 
for the other half of that duplex. Bigger Pockets, they sell state-specific leases for 99 bucks. They've got great resources uh, there when it comes to real estate investing, uh, and they've, they've just got a great community there as well. Also, NOLO, they allow you to make unlimited leases uh, for just $39 a year, so that's something you could look into. Uh, and you can check into uh, other online legal sites as well, like LegalZoom. But just be uh, wary of going for the free forms. <laughs> this is one area that you don't want to cheap out. Uh, it could cost you a whole lot more uh, on the back end, in, in particular, if this isn't something that you have experience doing. As you're getting started, it would totally be worth it to, to spend some money. And so on the note of experience, you could also ask someone who has uh, been investing in real estate for many years uh, if they would share their lease with you. Yeah, I think you're right, Matt. It's totally cheap <laughs> to try to get some sort of free lease that might not be legally sufficient. And think about all the problems that could cause if if your lease doesn't meet you know state law requirements, or if there are some things in there that don't sufficiently protect you from the damages or something that you might incur. You want to make sure you have a thoroughly buttoned up lease and it's worth the money in order to get that. Also too, let's talk about screening, Matthew. Uh, you mentioned screening tenants. And I will say that one step when it comes to investing in real estate is 90% of the battle. If you can screen tenants well, your foray into real estate investing is going to go well. And so we would highly suggest you listen to episode 269 for more information on managing rental properties in general and then screening tenants specifically. We went into a lot of detail there, but basically, if you just want the quick and dirty, the most important factors are running a credit check and running a background check checking employment, and calling the prior landlord of that tenant. If you perform all of those steps, you're going to all but ensure that you're going to have a good tenant moving into your property, one that has treated other landlords uh, fairly in the past, who has good credit and pays their bills on time. Those are the kind of things that you're going to, going to want to make sure that you look at before you have that person sign a lease. Like there, there are people sometimes that, that drive up, they seem really nice, but then you look at those things and you're like, man, I don't know. They're not, they're not really treating their obligations well. They're, they're not paying their bills on time. They're three months late on their credit card bill. And that's a, a red flag for sure to say, I don't think I want to rent to this person. They're probably not the kind of person that's going to take care of my investment of my home very well. Exactly. Yeah. They look a lot less nice on paper. <laughs> and specifically, too, don't skip out on checking their employment and calling their, their previous landlords because you know getting that background check, running that credit, those are all things that don't require you to interact with other people. Uh, there's a lot of different services out there that allow you to, to run that information. It's really easy and it gets delivered to you in a nice, neat package. Making these phone calls and verifying their employment and previous landlords, it takes a little more work. You know, you like you have to actually talk to somebody, but it's also, I think, the most important, man. Yeah. Like specifically talking to a previous landlord, you can learn so much <laughs> by talking to their current landlord. Literally 15 minutes. Oh, not, not even that. Like, yeah. like for, I mean, sometimes I'm talking to somebody Five. for like 90 <laughs> seconds. Yeah, uh, and it, can, it's like, it can feel awkward because you're like, oh, tell me about this person that yeah. and they're like they don't really no. know who you are but, but they, you, they're you used got, to it you got to make the phone call it's, yeah it's massively important yeah make those phone calls and you can just learn so much just how they talk about the previous tenants because if you ask them like one of the questions i ask is would you rent to them again if they were to reapply uh and I, and if there's a pause <laughs> or well <laughs> you, you can just tell how they answer the question as you know if, if if it raises any any red flags and then you can kind of link those red flags you know from their credit report from their employment. And then if there's all these little small red flags popping up, well, then that might be an instance where you kind of go with your gut. So all that to say, all you potential landlords out there, don't skip out on making those phone calls. It might be uh, talking to the 
prior landlord might be the number one thing you, you need to do. Yeah. It, it might give you the most information, actually, in the screening process. All right, uh, Matthew, best of luck to you finding an awesome duplex, man. I hope it works out, and I hope it gets that real estate bug going inside of you because it's a beautiful way to start generating wealth. All right, Matt, let's get back to the beer that we had on this episode. This one is called Bumbleberry. It's, Bumbleberry. It's a honey blueberry ale. Apparently, it's award-winning. It says so on the can. Uh, <laughs> by <laughs> says fat. it right there on the can. Right. Yep. It's <laughs> fat, stamped on there. Fat Heads Brewery. So, it's got a enormously large noggin, a dude with a sweet mustache on the on the front of the can. And this was uh, given to us by Rich from Budgets and Brews. What were your thoughts on this beer, man? I will say that it was easy drinking, flavorful, uh, with a nice little sweet touch of blueberry going on. Man, It reminds me a lot of Sweetwater Blue, which is actually a, a beer here out of Atlanta. But yeah, it has a similar blueberry note, like kind of right on the edge of the tongue. I liked it. And I'm glad, too, that we were able to have a beer from Fatheads. I've, this is a brewery that some other listeners have mentioned before. Uh, we've never had any of their beers before. Those guys are there out of Ohio. So I'm glad that uh, Rich was able to donate this one to the show. Yeah, I thought this one tasted a little bit like a blueberry muffin, like a really, really oh, yeah. light, easy drinking blueberry muffin. Yeah. Um, so if you're into that, if you're into drinking your muffins, <laughs> you're going to like this, this beer one. is for you. That's right. <laughs> and it just really is a super chill beer for like a nice warm day. And we're into warm days these days. So, uh, all right, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for submitting your listener questions. And if you've been listening and you've got a question that you would like Matt and I to tackle here on an upcoming Ask HTM episode, just go to howtomoney.com slash ask. There are simple directions there for you to submit your voice memo, and hopefully we can take it on the next Ask How to Money episode. That's right. And you can find our show notes up at howtomoney.com. We'll make sure to link. Uh, we actually referenced a lot of past episodes during this episode, so we'll make sure to link to all of those, as well as any other resources that we may have mentioned. Uh, and also, too, we appreciate all the reviews. We've, we've gotten a lot of reviews in recently, and so if you are one of those folks, we seriously appreciate you. And, and for everyone else who hasn't, no threats, but uh, we would appreciate it. <laughs> are you going threaten our listeners we're, we're still going to make the you know we're still going to make the podcast but uh reviews are great that's true yeah well there have been some really sweet ones lately they help we really appreciate it yeah. and yeah it does let other people know what they can expect when they tune into how to money and yeah it's our goal to provide the best money saving money advice out there in the podcast sphere so yeah thank you guys for listening Absolutely. and uh, that's going to do it for this episode matt so until next time best friends out best friends out It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.